Well, we're going to start today. We are in 1 Timothy, by the way. We're going verse by verse through 1 Timothy, but we're going to start today actually over in Romans chapter 7. So I want you to turn there with me, Romans chapter 7. We're covering something today that there's a lot of confusion about, and it is the law or the commandments. Where do they fit in to the picture? Are they for today or are they not for today? Are they good? Are they bad? A lot of discussion on this, a lot of teaching, some of it true, some of it not true. I've entitled this today, though, Allowing the Law to Do Its Job, and you'll see where that fits into our study in 1 Timothy in just a few minutes. But being raised Roman Catholic, I believed and was taught that keeping the commandments was necessary to getting to heaven, was part of it. The Ten Commandments were to be respected. The Ten Commandments were to be followed. And uh, there's no doubt that they can bring order to society when followed. And we know that. And that's part of our fabric as a nation, Judeo-Christian ethics. And the commandments and the principles that are there are really part of that. And I think they're an important part of that. But there's no doubt that they can bring order to society when they're followed. And why is that? Well, simply put, and listen carefully, because the commandments manifest the righteousness and the holiness of God himself. After all, they came from him, and if they came from him, they're not bad, but good. Sometimes those of us who believe in grace, we almost talk about the commandments like they're bad or something, like there's something wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with them when you let the law do its job, when you let the commandments do their job. The commandments were never given as a means of getting to heaven. I'll say more about that in a few minutes. And that is where a lot of misconception is right off the bat. In Romans, though, chapter 7, verse 12, Paul makes this very important statement. He says, wherefore, the law is holy, and the commandments holy, and just, and good. So let's never talk in negative terms about the commandments. They're given by God himself, remember? You watch the Ten Commandments, right, on TV or whatever? (laughs) I'm just, just kidding. But are we saved by keeping them? Do we go to heaven by keeping them? What is the main purpose of the law, the main purpose of the commandments according to the Bible? Well, we're going to answer that today. So now let's go over to 1 Timothy chapter 1, and we'll just read verses 1 through 4, which we started last week, or we covered last week. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior, and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope, unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith. So do. Now verse 5 we pick up. Now the end of the commandment, now, what commandment is that? Well, the, that he was given as an apostle, okay, the, the point of his ministry, or, or what is it we're trying to achieve? Now, this is a generalization, but it's full of truth. Now, the end of the commandment is charity, or love, out of a pure heart, and of a good conscience, and of faith unfeigned. The end of the commandment, the purpose, 
or the goal, okay? In other words, godliness, why was his ministry what it was? Well, because his ministry was to get people saved and then to get people to live for Christ. That was the ministry of the Apostle Paul. In other words, the goal was godliness in both doctrine and also in life. Now, isn't that an interesting way to look at the Christian life? What is God's goal for me? Well, he wants me to be godly, not only in what I believe, but the way I live. Isn't that simple? It's profound, really, when you think about it. But that is what he says. Now, verse 6, from which some, having swerved, have turned aside unto vain jangling, desiring to be teachers of the law. So some people have turned away from the truth of God's word. They've turned away from the truth of the gospel. And now what they've done is they've adopted things, false teaching or misapplication of the scriptures. And we see one of the things they were doing in verse seven, it says, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. So these false teachers say, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to teach the law, but what they were teaching about the law is what people are still teaching about the law, which is if you follow them, you'll make it to heaven one day. Not true. Not true. And so what's he saying in verse 7? No one who emphasizes keeping the law as a means of salvation knows what they're saying, for they condemn themselves. Any person who says to you or to me, you have to keep the Ten Commandments if you want to go to heaven. Boy, you hear that one a lot at fair evangelism when we have it here in a couple of weeks. Oh yeah, you have to keep the commandments. Oh, do you keep the commandments? Well, I try. It's not a good answer. Do you keep the commandments? Well, I try to. Well, I keep most of them. Well, I do it most of the time. Do you keep the commandments perfectly? Have you kept the commandments from the day you were born to today perfectly? Well, no, no one has done that. Well, let's talk about that for a while and what that brings with it. So when you say, if a person says you have to keep the commandments to be saved, ask them, have you kept the commandments? Be honest about it. Have you kept them? See, this is what people do. This is also true for those who teach any kind of a works-based salvation such as what's called lordship salvation or discipleship salvation, to where you have to do something or live a certain way if you're going to make it to heaven. Whatever standard those kind of people come up with, they condemn themselves if they'll just be honest about it. Somebody, some preacher says, well, you have to make Jesus the Lord of your life. You have to live with Jesus as the Lord of your life if you want to go to heaven. Question, Have you always lived with Jesus as the Lord of your life? Well, no. Well, then you're not going to heaven, according to what you just said. You have to be willing to turn from all of your sins, and you have to have the mindset that you're going to turn from all your sins if you want to go to heaven. Let me ask you this. Have you turned from all your sins? Have you? Well, no. Well, then you're not going to heaven. You have to live with Jesus as the Lord of your life, as the master of your life. You have to live submitted to him if you want to be saved in the end. Let me ask you this. Have you lived every minute of your life submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ? Well, no. Well, then you're not going to heaven. You have to quit all your bad habits if you want to go to heaven. I mean, God's not going to let 
people with filthy habits into heaven. You have to quit all your bad habits if you want to go to heaven. Let me ask you this. Have you quit all your bad habits? Well, I'm working on it. Well, then you're not going to heaven. I don't care what list you come up with, folks. Whatever list you come up with, that list will condemn you to hell. It will condemn you. It will judge you. You are in trouble with whatever list you come up with. Now, folks, listen, those of you who are believers, don't be ashamed to deal with people in this way. Do it with a smile on your face. Be kind, be courteous, but don't be afraid to do it because that is actually letting the law do its job. 1 Timothy 1.8, but we know that the law is good if there's an important word. Now we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. How does one use the law, the commandments, lawfully? Well, the law declares the righteous standard and character of God and shows that all men fail to meet that standard. The law shows our sinfulness. That is using the law properly. It shows God's holy standard, and it shows that we fall short of God's holy standard. It points us to the finished work of Christ to get us to heaven instead. Let's look at this. Verse 9. Now remember verse 8. For we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. Knowing this, here you go, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly, for sinners. Anybody here not a sinner? Okay, that's what I thought. So hold on to your wallets because you're among liars and thieves here today, okay? (laughs) Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient. You ever been disobedient? Yeah. For the ungodly and for sinners. For the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers. Well, I've never done any of those. Yeah, but are you a sinner? Well, yeah. Okay. For whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind. By the way, I won't go into a lot of detail here. This is talking about homosexuals. This is what it's talking about. Or lesbians. For men stealers, for liars, ever told a lie? (laughs) For perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which is committed to my trust. So what's he saying? Here's what he's saying. Hold your place here. Let's take a little excursion through Romans and also through Galatians this morning. Turn with me to Romans chapter 3. So do you still believe that you have to keep the commandments to go to heaven? Yes, I believe that. Why? It's what my religion teaches. My religion is the one true religion, and that is what I believe. Yeah, but what if the Bible says something different? No, no. If it says something, if it supposedly says something different, your interpretation is wrong because my church's interpretation is the right one. By the way, that's exactly what the Catholic Church teaches, okay? I don't know about you, I'm going to go with God. Romans 3, verse 19. Here's the truth of it, folks. (laughs) Here's the truth of it. I'm not picking on the Roman Catholics. I'm just using logic this morning. If what they're teaching is true, that you have to keep the commandments to go to heaven, 
every Roman Catholic who's ever lived will end up in hell because no one has kept the commandments. Well, that's why there's confession and communion and forgiveness and and all that. No, no, no. It doesn't work that way. You need a payment for your sin, not a sacrament. You need a payment for your sin. Now, we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. And yes, all the world is guilty before God. And yes, every one of us, including me, stands guilty before God when measuring my life with the holiness, the perfection of the law and what the law teaches. We're all guilty. We're all condemned. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, by keeping the commandments, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. God's sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law is perfect. When I fail to keep it, it shows I'm a sinner because I have violated the law. Therefore, I am guilty before God. I stand guilty before him. I'm condemned. So let's talk about it again. Number one, the law is not made for a righteous man. Now we have seen that here in our text in Timothy. There are three aspects to this. First, it will not get you to heaven. Again, this is contrary to the thinking of many people, but the law will not save you. Why? You can't keep it. Look with me to Galatians chapter 3. There's Romans and then there's Galatians. Galatians is sort of a mini Romans. You could look at it that way. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 10. Now, I'm still not convinced. I think I have to keep commandments, okay? Let's look at another portion of Scripture. Remember now, this is not my opinion. This is the Word of God, the only thing that matters. Galatians 3, verse 10, For as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. You're under a curse. You think you can earn it by keeping the commandments? You're under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Verse 11, here's what God says. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. You're not going to live eternally through works. You're going to only live by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Jump down to verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Look up here. Look up here. Let me show this to you. This is what it's talking about. This is you and me. Here's our sin. We're all sinners. We have violated God's word. We've sinned against God. We've broken his laws. We've broken his commandments. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This sin, therefore, separates us from God. You cannot get to heaven with even one sin. Not even one. God says if we die in this condition, we will be separated from God for all eternity. The wages of sin is death. God doesn't want that for us. Now, here we are. We are already disqualified. Our sin separates us from God. To get to heaven, the sin has to be gone, but we have it. Yet people will still come along and say, oh, you have to keep the law. You have to keep the commandments. You have to do good works to be saved. Nowhere does it say those good works will pay for sin. The wages of sin is death. 
All those good works, listen, if you say, okay, you have to do good works to go to heaven, like what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Have you ever not loved your neighbor as yourself? Well, yeah, guess what? You're a sinner. Any commandment you take, you've broken it somewhere along the line. Well, I've never committed adultery before. Have you ever looked at a person and lusted? Jesus said you broke it. See, folks, no matter what you pick, here we are, we are sinners. We cannot save ourselves. And that is why Jesus Christ came. To get to heaven, you have to be sinless, and we are not. Jesus came, God in the flesh. He came to the earth, the sinless one, and he was made, you notice what it said in Galatians? Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things. Verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. What did Jesus do for you and me? He hung on the tree. He took our sins upon himself. And while he was on the cross paying for our sins, the wrath of God was poured out on him. So it doesn't need to be poured out on me and you. Jesus died. He made the payment necessary for our sins. And he was buried and he rose from the grave. He says this, if you will believe in him that he made that payment for you, that payment is good on your behalf. His payment for sin becomes your payment for your sin. He forgives you of everything. He gives you everlasting life. You have no sins. All your sins are gone. Therefore, there's nothing to keep you out of heaven and there's nothing to send you to hell. All the sin has been taken care of. But you have to believe You have to trust in Christ that he did that for you. If you don't, even though he paid for sin, the payment's not good on your behalf until you believe. When you believe, you're justified from all things. This is how it works. Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Jesus was cursed for us. When you trust in him that he did that for you, the payment he made is good on your behalf. It's put to your account. It's called imputation. It's the fancy word for it. Jump down to verse 21, Galatians 3, 21. Is the law then against the promises of God? See, some people think, oh, the law is bad then. The law is bad. No, no, watch this. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. The law is so perfect. It came from the lips of God himself, the finger of God himself. If there was a law given that could have provided eternal life, it would have been by the law. But, verse 22, the scripture has concluded all under sin. That includes me and you. That the promise by faith of or in Jesus Christ might be given to them that do what? Believe. It's all the Lord's asking, that we would believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore the law was, past tense, our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under the schoolmaster, for you are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. So what is the purpose of the law? The purpose of the law is to show us that we're sinners, to show us that we fail, 
The law is not made for the righteous man, but for the ungodly. Guess what? The law shows we all have ungodliness, therefore we all need a savior. And when we let the law do its work, tell you what, the law did its work in my life the night I got saved. I remember going in thinking that I was okay, thinking I'd, I'd make it to heaven, thinking I, I was good enough to get there. And then the man who was speaking said, now heaven's a perfect place. You need to be perfect to get there. All of a sudden, man, I'm sweating bullets. If that's true, if I've got to be perfect, I know I'm not perfect. I know I've sinned against God. I know I've done things wrong. I know I violated the commandments. The law was doing its job. The law was saying, come on, come on. You don't have a chance on your own. Read me. You don't have a chance on your own. You're in trouble. You don't have it in you to save yourself because you can't be perfect. And the law brought me to the cross. And I understood Jesus made the payment so I don't have to. And I trusted him as my savior. Isn't this a glorious truth? But after that faith has come, we are no longer under the schoolmaster for you're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So the law is not made for a righteous man. First, it will not get you to heaven. But secondly, under that, for the believer, for the believer, those of us who are saved, it is not a means to make you righteous in your Christian life. Do you understand that? The law still does what it does. It shows we're failures. It shows we're a mess. It shows we need help. Turn with me to Galatians. You're in Galatians. Turn a couple pages. Chapter 5. It says this in verse 13. For brethren, you've been called unto liberty. Those of us who are saved, liberty, freedom. We have freedom. We're no longer under the penalty of the law. For brethren, you've been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty as an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Watch this now, verse 14. So what are we supposed to do with our freedom? By love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled... In one word, and by the word, the word is love. Even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If we live controlled by the love of God, we will actually be fulfilling the righteousness of the law. The focus is not us on the law. The focus on us is loving one another. Loving God first and then loving one another. Look at verse 16. It says, this I say, then walk in the spirit, ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. There you go. The law would say this, don't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Don't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Stop thinking about that. Stop doing that. Grace says this, walk in the spirit. Be under the control of the Holy Spirit. Be in step with the Holy Spirit. Live submitted to him. And if you do, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth or wars against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Now, verse 18. But if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. You're not under the law. This may sound radical to some of you. I hardly ever think about the Ten Commandments. I say, wait a minute, you're a preacher. Yep. I hardly ever think about the Ten Commandments. What I think about is this. Lord, I want to live my life by your power 
to be a blessing to other people. Lord, I want to love other people by sharing God's truth with them, by giving them a word of encouragement. Whatever the need is, Lord, I want to love other people. I want to help other people. Guess what, folks? You're going to do a lot more obeying of the commandments by living that way than you would by thinking, okay, don't break it, don't break it, don't break it, don't break it. No longer under the law. We're under grace, and grace teaches us to walk according to love. Romans 13, turn there with me. Well, wait a minute, though, Pastor. Are you saying just throw out the Ten Commandments? Um, Let me think. I don't recall saying that. Did anybody hear me say that this morning? Just throw out the Ten Commandments? I don't don't think so. I can listen to the recording, but I don't think I said that. No, friend, let the law do its job. Let the law show us that we don't measure up and we need the grace of God and the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives every single moment. That is what the law does. Romans 13, 8, Owe no man anything but to love one another. Look at this verse. Wow. Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. If I'm living my life loving other people, I'm fulfilling the law. Listen, folks, if I'm, well, here you go. He explains it. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill. Sound familiar, by the way? Remember the Ten Commandments? For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. There you go. If I walk in love, I will end up fulfilling the law. But if I'm focused on, I'm not going to break it, 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 you're going to break it. This is so powerful. So the law is not a means to make you righteous in your Christian life. Also, if you are led by the Holy Spirit, ye are not under the laws. We saw in Galatians chapter 5 in verse 18. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. By the way, look at chapter 5 and verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, this is the one who's living in submission to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is controlling their life. And what is the result of that? What is manifested from that kind of life? Here you go. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Watch this. Against such there is no law. Do you know why there's no law against those things? Because they're what the Spirit of God produces in the life of a believer who's living submitted to him. If those things broke the law of God, the Holy Spirit would be breaking the law of God. But these are the qualities that he manifests in the life of the one who's walking in the Spirit. And as we do, these qualities are manifested. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Listen, I grew up in the 60s. What were the three big words right off the bat out of the 60s? Peace was one of them, right? Love, joy, peace, those three. You heard all the time. Love, joy, peace. Problem was they were trying to get it from dope and quote-unquote free love. 
It wasn't love, it was lust, and it wasn't free, it was very costly. Now, the only one who can give true love, joy, peace is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit manifesting His fruit through the life of a believer who's walking in fellowship with Him. This is wonderful. This is wonderful truth. Let's move on. Number two, the law is made. So remember the first point, the law is not made for a righteous man. But number two, the law is made, going back to 1 Timothy 1.9, the law is made for the lawless and the disobedient. Why? To, to magnify and expose their sin for what it is. This is how Jesus, by the way, used it over and over and over again. Have you ever thought about that? You remember the rich young ruler? Mark chapter 10? What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And what did Jesus do? He drilled down, drilled down, drilled down, drilled down until he got discouraged and basically walked away because he got to the core where this man actually was covetous of stuff. He was trusting in his riches to get to heaven. By the way, if you don't have a King James or New King James Bible, your translation doesn't have that verse in it in Mark 10, which is the only thing that makes that passage make sense. By the way, I just throw that in. That's bonus today. Here's the point, though. Jesus said, those who trust in riches will not inherit the kingdom. Those who trust in riches. That's what the young rich ruler was doing. His faith was in his riches. But Jesus talking to him out of the law, okay, what it did was it convicted him and it started breaking him down and he couldn't take it. And that's what the law does. And there's many other passages in scripture and the gospels that point to that. You see, the Lord would use his law in a way that would condemn those who were standing on it as their means of salvation. And they're either going to be discouraged or turn against them or else get saved. So the law is made for the lawless and disobedient to magnify and expose their sin. Notice verse 9, knowing this, that the law is not made for righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly, for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers and fathers, murderers of mothers, for manslayers. The law is a perfect standard. They violate it. It shows they're guilty. It shows they're sinners. That's the law doing its job. Third, the law points people to the gospel of grace, which manifests the perfect righteousness of God. We see that in 1 Timothy 1 verse 11, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. Isn't it interesting? The law is not given for a righteous man, and it shows all the wickedness of man. And then it turns and it says, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God. See, folks, here's the truth. The law brings bad news, but the gospel is the good news. A person will never get saved until they understand their loss. You have no reason to put your faith in Jesus Christ as your savior unless you understand you're on your way to hell. You're lost. You're guilty. You don't have a prayer. You don't have a chance. And that's where the good news of Christ and what he did on the cross comes into the picture. And I think that's what Paul's referring to in verse 11. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God. The glorious gospel says we have to be perfect to get to heaven. And we're not. But thank God Jesus came and made the payment for us. The perfect one became sin for us 
so that we could be made the righteousness of God in him. As a matter of fact, let's look at that. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and in verse 21, and it says this, For he, God, hath made him, Christ, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, Christ knew no sin, but he was made sin for us, substitutionary, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's the glorious gospel. Now, folks, if Jesus was a sinner, he could not have paid for our sin because he would have had to pay for his own sin. The good news is the gospel of the gospel is this. God sent us the only person in all of space and time in the universe that was qualified to be a substitute for us. Had to be a man to be a substitute, and he had to be sinless. If he wasn't a man, if he was an angel, it wouldn't have happened. Couldn't have happened. Couldn't be a substitute. He had to be sinless. If Jesus was a sinner, then he couldn't have done it. But he was a man, and he was sinless, the perfect substitute. And therefore, he qualified to have my sin and yours poured out on him so that we don't have to pay for it. He did it for us in our place so that we could be made the righteousness of God in him. One last passage. Turn with me to Romans chapter 1. Why would anybody want to preach works for salvation? Number one, you'll never be saved that way. Number two, true salvation is based on the grace of God, not our works. Romans 1.16, and that's why Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, the good news of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You notice one condition to having salvation, believing. Verse 17, for therein, in the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Pastor, what does that mean, from faith to faith? Begins with faith, it ends with faith. It's just by faith. When you trust Christ the Savior, you are saved forever. It's eternal security is what it's getting at. You're saved forever, all the way through. It's yours, you have eternal life. So let me ask you today, have you trusted Jesus Christ the Savior? Do you understand you can't save yourself? Have you been trusting in your good works, your keeping of the law to get to heaven? You know you can't keep the law. You violated it. James says, whosoever keeps the whole law and yet offends in one point, he's guilty of all. James 2.10. God is offering you eternal life as a gift, bought and paid for through the blood of Christ as your substitute. And all he's asking you to do is put your faith in him and he'll give you that gift of eternal life. That's good news. So what do we need to do? Well, we need to allow the law to do its job. And what does it do? It shows us we're guilty. And what does that do? It leads us to Christ. In the Christian life, what does the law do? It shows us our guilty. What does it do? It leads us to the Lord again. He is the one who helps us live a godly life. It's not based on us white-knuckling it through life as Christians. Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry 
are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much and God bless you.